So when it comes to the Christmas season, it's I think it's very tempting for us to just say, you know, sure, we'll just defrost last year's Christmas, so to speak. We'll take it out of the freezer and reheat it and do it all again. And the same rituals with the tree, with the people coming and so on. Um, and we could do all of that. And the whole beauty of the season would never touch our hearts and our souls. And I suppose that's kind of a temptation to just leave it all outside of us. Another temptation might be to see the whole Christmas story as just historical, to see it as something that happened in history, that the creator of the universe sent his son into into the world and into history. And forget that this is all about birthing in our hearts that God desired to be born, yes, into history and into the world, but into your heart and into my heart. And that's the Bethlehem of Christmas. Now, what is happening in your heart? What is happening in my heart? So the the whole theme of looking at what is trying to be birthed through us is a kind of a radical way of looking at Christmas. You know, so when we talk about doing preparation and all the gospel readings coming up to Christmas are all about preparation, you know, and we are told that uh, the son of God comes to us in a way that we least expect. And usually at a time we least expect the day or the hour. And when I was growing up, I used to think that was something very fearful. You never know the day or the hour we used to hear. And I used to get frightened of that. But actually, if we looked at it another way, you'll never know the day or the hour when something beautiful, mysterious and wondrous is going to emerge within you and indeed around you. So that's what we're making space for that this birth of the divine in us and around us. So in Luke 3, uh, verse 4, we're told, prepare a way. In Luke 3, 17, we're, we're told about that the threshing floor has to be cleared. So there's something suggests that we have to do a little bit of clearing away, that we are not just passive spectators where Christmas is concerned, but in fact, we're co-creators. We're we're meant to be involved in it. We are, it's in the cave of our hearts that Jesus wants to be born again. And when we look at the whole pattern of the birth of Jesus um, and how the good news came, it didn't come to those who were powerful, to those who had all the status and kingdoms of this world, No, it came to those who had lowly hearts. You could even say it came to those who were nobodies in the the eyes of the world. It came to those who had an empty space in their hearts. We think of Mary, we think of the shepherds, we think of Elizabeth. And, you know, in Hosea uh, 2, verse 14, there's that lovely line that says, I will lure you to the wilderness and speak to your heart. John the Baptist was in the wilderness when he heard the good news. And maybe it's the wilderness places in you and in me that in fact are the birthing places. The places that maybe we have rejected. The parts of us that we think, well, God would never have anything to do with me here. 
they're the very places perhaps that God is saying, I want my son to be brought to birth in the wilderness in your heart this Christmas. Wouldn't that be amazing? If we were to experience the birth of joy, of newness, of mystery, of stillness in our hearts. You know, you and I have old kind of patterns we all have that create what neuroscience and psychology calls neural pathways, meaning they're well-worn pathways in our, in our minds. And they, they're all thinking habits. For example, one of them might be, sure, nothing good happens to me. Another might be, sure, Christmas is only for children. Another one might be, sure, I'm too old to enjoy Christmas. And sure, it is all commercial nowadays. And when we say those things, even though they're understandable, they shut down possibility. They kind of put a ceiling on um, the surprise, the God of surprise. So there's a bit of letting go that you and I have to do. Letting go of some of those old neural pathways that maybe we created in times of disappointment, in times of hurt, in times of, of displacement or so on. And we kind of shut down a little bit. So we have to maybe open the heart again and lean into that love that wants to disentangle those old disappointments. So that the heart is softened and opened. And above all, that it's opened and softened to joy, to the possibility of joy. Not the type of joy that's a denial of pain, but a kind, a kind of joy that we can coax and cultivate and nurture in our lives. Pope Francis talks a lot about this joy. He kind of sees it as really the fruits of what it is to be a Christian. And there are, there's a quote from Pope Francis that I'd love to quote here because I kind of enjoy it. And he says, one of the more serious temptations which stifles boldness and zeal is a defeatism which turns us into querulous and disillusionist pessimists. In other words, sour pusses. <laughs> so Pope Francis warns us about becoming sour pusses. And I don't know about you, but I can certainly be a sour puss very easily. So joy is a gift, but it has to be coaxed. It has to be nurtured. We have to know what practices will help us bring joy. And these are fairly researched. I've done a fair amount of research in these because I've wanted to get rid of the sourpuss <laughs> in myself. So cultivating joy is about cultivating our ability to be present in the present moment. It's about cultivating a habit of gratitude. That's a big one. Try it for a day and you'll feel joy spilling over in your heart. Cultivating joy is about practicing optimism. 
savoring the simple, simple little joys that come in the day, savoring them. And I suppose finding the childlike part of ourselves again. It's very interesting that the creator of the universe came into our world in the form of a child. So it would be good to reclaim childlikeness in us again. Playfulness and prayerfulness are very alike. Again, a quote from Pope Francis, he said, God is forever young and a constant source of newness. But, you know, we very easily get hijacked by internal mental chatter. We get hijacked by the critic in us that picks away and criticizes us for everything we do and everything we didn't do. Do you ever find yourself at the end of the day going back over things and saying, if only I'd done this differently and why did I say that and so on? And we get hijacked by those habits. They take us back into the past and we lose our joy. Another habit is we start catastrophizing and fearing the future and we lose our joy. So maybe this Christmas we can practice that gospel habit of welcoming joy, of receiving joy and responding rather than reacting to the many circumstances around us. How might we do that? We could pause in the middle of Christmas busyness and Christmas gatherings or whatever is happening for what is called in the monastic tradition, a statio moment. Statio moment means to pause, to be still, to notice. We might practice another monastic tradition of stability. And stability means to be content with what is here now, instead of craving what isn't here now. So statio and balance helps us return to the miracle of the moment. The exquisite moment where something new is being born, where the creator of the universe is choosing to be birthed again in history, in the world, through you. Where something of the presence of Jesus is reawakened in your life and in my life this Christmas. So the piece of music that I have chosen to go with this reflection is called When Love Was Born. And it says something about the night when love was born. And maybe when you're listening to it, to just visualize a love being born again in your heart this Christmas. Just as love was born in Bethlehem that night, love being born anew in your heart. So Pat Sheehan, my husband, is singing this song, When Love Was Born. So enjoy it. Starlight shine 